Hey everyone, this is my brother Michael. My brother Adam. We're the Sharf Brothers. You're listening to Mentoring for the Modern Musician. so amazing phenomenal voice so you welcome to mentoring for the modern musician welcome back m3 welcome artists back. m3 artists we're gonna make this intro real short it's gonna be we short have... we have a lot of content coming your way so exciting <laughs> so phenomenal beginning. conversation of course the original conversation was with mark's son which is kind of cool it's very cool i don't know if he's been on a podcast yet so this will be mark's son's first podcast that's right it is his debut so here we are ladies and gentlemen enjoy in. mark broussard Hello. Hello. Can I speak with Mark? Um, I don't know where he is right now. Okay. Uh, we're calling him to do a podcast. Is it your dad? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try and find him. Thanks, man. Thanks, bud. Oh, dad? Hello. Hey, Mark. Adam Scharf calling from Mentoring for the Modern Musician. Welcome to the podcast, man. Oh, thanks for having me, fellas. I really appreciate you bringing me on. It's an honor. Oh, you, it's an honor to have you on the show, man. It's, it's been so great. We've just been... Uh, Listening to nothing but you all week, everywhere we go, and I'm <laughs> including ready, Christmas songs, man. I'm ready to I'm, go on tour. I'm I'm, I'm just going to be. I'll exactly. hang out with you. I'll just give you coffee, whatever you need. I love it. <laughs> so you're going on the road starting tomorrow, though, right? Yeah, we're headed out to play a show with Mavis Staples tomorrow in Chicago. Oh, fantastic! Uh, which ought to be epic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then. We embark on a on a fairly long, kind of uh, almost never-ending run over the next few months. I, I got some some shows here in the states, and then we go back over to Europe for about two months um, or a month and a half or something like that. And this and is then, this is uh, full band stuff, right? Oh yeah, oh, oh that's yeah. great. No, man. I mean, I, I very rarely play uh, shows without my band these days. Typically. Uh, you know, it's a four-piece. Me, my, uh, myself, my guitar player, Joe Stark, my drummer, Chad Gilmore, and my bassist, DJ Raymond. We'll jump out uh, and grab an SUV, and just the four of us roll oh, that beautiful. way. Yeah. Now, how long have those, those three guys been with you? Well, Chad's been in the band uh, exclusively for about 15 years. Wow. 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 Joe Stark, I pulled Chad Gilmore from Joe Stark's band. Joe had his own band that I opened for back in the, sometime around 2001 or so, 2002 maybe. Wow. And uh, Chad Gilmore was on drums for Joe. Joe and his little brother formed a band after that called Sons of William that um, 
I had open for me for you know a very long time, and Joe would end up playing in the in my band on those shows. And then, uh, so he, Joe's been in and out of the band for about a decade or more. Okay. And then uh, DJ Raymond just made three years with us. Wow, that's great, man. That's uh, that. Uh, what I love about that is one of the things we talk with musicians about a lot is is uh, you know long game thinking. Everybody. You know, it's one of the most important and crucial aspects of any sustainably joyful career in the music business. Well said, I, sir. You know, I think the bottom line for me, because I signed a record deal at 20 years old with Island Def Jam. Wow. Wow. And uh, walking through those halls at 20 years old <laughs> without a fully developed sense of my own yeah. skin and my, right. myself, uh, I assumed that I had arrived. Right. right. Sure. Yep. I assumed that I had you made it. all I had to do was show up at that point. Yeah, right. Yep. So strategies get deployed uh, and, and crafted on my behalf, and I put all of my trust in those strategies. And what, what I found after uh, you know signing with IDJ and then Vanguard and then Atlantic and then Vanguard again mm-hmm. is that um, virtually, well, they were all diminishing returns. <laughs> Every single one of them had diminishing returns right yeah uh, in in so many ways, and then more importantly, uh my stock was the only one taking the hit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right right exactly it's all on you well, I guess Mark just lost again <laughs> so at some point i uh i i you know got really, really serious about. You know, making sure that my stock took some value back from from where it had been stolen, and that's where I started to to notice how strong uh, the long game was. Notice how strong that that really paying attention to the overarching goals of my life as a human being. Right. Wow. Uh, how they would play into uh, the sustainable joy that I would find from the work I'm doing, which is. Brilliant. Now, how? Because your your dad, I mean, is a, sort of a legend, it, it, and you. So you grew up around the industry. How? Yeah, I mean, usually we would ask people where they, you know, how where they when got they, their start when, when they, they knew. And but we with you, been, we kind of know that you've been on stage since you were like four or five, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, my dad got me started early. And when, so, your perspective of of seeing what he was doing while you were growing up, how much do you think that? flavored your your vision of what there was or or were you sort of prepared to to pivot like you've had to do and 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 think long game well it's interesting because for the large part of my life i uh assumed that i would play music as an adult but i assumed that it would be part of a a supplementary kind of thing I, i assumed that i'd be playing on fridays and saturdays yeah to supplement the family income yeah gotcha and i'd be you know, probably swinging a hammer or something right, mm-hmm. right. during the during the weeks. So that was my only frame of reference. I actually didn't believe that it was possible for me to 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 hit you know Michael Jackson kind of right. status, right, yeah. right, yeah. Which 
interestingly enough, turned on a dime the day I got signed. <laughs> You're like, this is it, exactly. man. Here, no, no, I'm totally Michael Jackson. I'm going to be a rock star. I'm there. I'm going to get a glove. I'm in. <laughs> That's exactly right. But um, so, yeah, I just didn't I didn't have a real a real massive understanding of uh, of what it was going to take. And, and quite honestly, I coasted on natural ability for for m- so long that I actually woke up one day with a career in the music business. Wow. Right. Which still blows my mind to this day. Well, but that's when I woke up. That's when I actually woke up and, and realized that the ship was not headed in the right direction, that my stock had been taken hit after hit after hit after hit, and that... Um, but I still had a viable touring business, right? And I had a, a really, really great, passionate champion of a manager, yeah. in Doug Shaw, and, and he's been Debbie with you for, for the whole time, right? Actually, no. Okay. Um, Doug and Debbie, I signed with them in uh, let's I want to call it 2013. I want to say maybe. Wow. Okay. okay. Maybe even later than that. Um, I was originally with a guy called Ross Dupre mm-hmm. from here in Lafayette, Louisiana. Okay. Ross uh, became my tour manager when I signed with a company called Brick Wall Management out of New York City, mm-hmm. who had just come off of managing, uh, co-managing John Mayer for a spell. Okay. And, uh, they, had, they had enough favors to call in that I was able to get on tour with Maroon 5 and Oh wow! Okay. Uh, on those on those first those tours, first couple of yeah. tours with very, them, yeah, very very first tours when they were still not pop guys. when they were the, when they were back when they were still more rocking. That's exactly right. Yeah. And then I, I did a tour opening first to three for them, and the local acts were were filling the second slot. And then I went on a West Coast run with Gavin DeGraw and Maroon mm. Five. Oh uh, yeah, that yep. was I like, remember that tour. But by that point, it was popping. It was yeah. really popping off. And so it allowed us, now mind you, I had already signed with Island Def Jam, and instead of making a record immediately for them, they they allowed me to continue selling my independent record. Wow. And to instead of giving us a bunch of tour support, they allowed us to sell the live shows. We had two towers with 11 burners. Wow. Taking board mixes. And, you know, we might have been making $250 guarantee a night, but we were selling like 150 or 200 of those live CDs every night at $10 wow. a pop. We well, were making more money than Gavin DeGraw. Absolutely. Might have been more money than Maroon 5. <laughs> sure. Well, sure. And that, that again goes back to your voice that yeah. is the kind of voice that makes people just go, I have to buy that CD now. <laughs> <laughs> I must have it. I must have it now. <laughs> a quick you know, aside. Are you are you guys still recording live shows? Are you doing anything like with Set FM or any of that stuff? Or you know, it's something that I really have have a tremendous interest in getting back up and running. We haven't done yeah. it at some point. IDJ put the kibosh on it, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. because it was competing with their right. sure, well, yeah. sure, but uh, but nonetheless, it's something that I'm very very interested in trying to trying to bring back to the table, yeah. Uh, you know, well, especially with how you guys are live. Oh I my mean, God, exactly. You know, there's a whole host of technologies out there. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately what we have 
this is another big beef that I have with the industry and, and the, the artist class. And it gets back to that same mentality that mm -hmm. I said about myself when I signed that record deal. Yeah. I think that the artist class and the music business is among the laziest artist classes <laughs> of any industry, of any sort of art, artistic endeavor, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, imagine, imagine what kind of films we would have if the artist in the film world, the, the the directors and the DPs, if if those people were as lazy technically <laughs> as the artists of the music business, there wouldn't be a film worth watching. That's I had never thought about it that way, man. That's that's a great observation, Mark. That, that's and, a and great again, observation. What I, I I couldn't thank you enough for saying that because one of the things we talk about a lot is work ethic and and thinking of yourself as an entrepreneur and understanding yes, you're an artist, but it's also a business, and that young artists particularly really need to understand that right from the get go. So it's not such a shock and not such a punch in the face when you figure out, oh no, I'm going to have to really go work the merch table and be nice and say hi to people. And well, here's I think where it's really, really crucial. Um, the the truth of the matter is, is is that for for most of the artists that I know, things don't really start to come into uh, a realistic perspective for 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 you. With regards to your artistic vision, mm -hmm. uh, things really start to crystallize towards the latter half of your 20s and into your 30s. Yeah, yeah. That was definitely the case for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think what I wish I had done, if I had been touring the way we tour now from the jump, yeah. from jump and we had stayed in the van, we yeah. never got into the bus, <laughs> we never started carrying production. <laughs> right, right. Yes. I would have several million dollars in the bank right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I right. don't have several million dollars in the bank. I don't have nearly seven several million dollars <laughs> in the bank. But I have at least a little bit, just from the last four years of touring, the way yeah. we've been touring, I have a little bit to back my next move. Yeah, right. And that is so freeing creatively. It's yeah. absolutely freeing. When you're playing with your own money, you, you, what happens is when you have access to somebody else's money, I, Atlantic Records gave me $425,000 to oh. make my first record there. Wow. Oh. And we spent almost every dime. I was going to say, did you have to spend it all? Or? No, I had creative control over the, the entire that's, budget. That's pretty incredible. We were able to stock away a little a little bit for a retirement fund. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I cut the check to a broker here in Lafayette, Louisiana, yeah. in like January of 2008. Mm -hmm. And all of it, all six figures of what, what I was able to stock away was gone by the summer of 2008. That guy is in jail now. That's oh. the broker that that brokered that deal. Oh man, dude! But look, that's that's way be, that's a whole other, other yeah. story. Okay. that I'd love to tell someday. We'll do another but, podcast on that at some point. Absolutely. Let us know we're in. It's one of those. Tr it's one of those true crime podcasts. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, man, absolutely. Um. Anyways, I forget exactly where I was. I lost my. Head. Well, so um, we were talking about about taking control of your own career. And oh, yeah. your money, and when the money's your own. Uh, yeah. So, so when when I was playing with Island, uh, excuse me, Atlantic Records money, 
and we had gobs and gobs of it. Mm-hmm. Anytime we ran into an issue or, or a problem, we just threw money just at threw the money problem. At it. Right. Right. But when, when I'm playing with my own dollars, when we run into issues, I am forced to become <laughs> as creative as I possibly can, which is right. the name of the game. Yeah, yeah right yeah. on. Right on. Yeah. Right. So I, go ahead, go I'm, ahead. I'm really curious about when that revelatory moment came for you about... I got to take control here. This has to be a. This has to be my. I got to be running the ship. This has to be about me. Well, it's it was a an unfolding series of events. The first real jarring moment for me was when I met Tori Amos. We happened to be uh, we have a, happened to have a day off in the area, and Ben Folds was opening for her mm-hmm. and was sick. So they okay. called us up and we could fill the date. Great. When we pulled in backstage, I noticed a young girl who uh, I, I inquired about. There was a young five-year-old girl backstage. I, I, I'd inquired about her, and it happened to be Tori's daughter. And I figured if I if I met Tori, I would break the ice with kid talk because Absolutely. my son was about the same age. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. And sure enough, I got summoned to her dressing room, and uh, her her chef, I think, was the guy who brought me back to her. And uh, I love that. Sorry. I, I sure enough, I go in for the kid talk. I say, ah, Miss Amos, it's a pleasure to meet you. I saw your your daughter backstage. She is precious. My son is about her age. And Tori says, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Tell me, do your managers commission off the gross of the net? Oh wow! And I was stunned. I, I literally not only you know was I caught off guard by by just the the complete dismissal of the small talk, right. but. Uh, but I didn't actually know what she was talking about. I, right. I literally didn't know the the definitions of the words that she was asking me. Right. Be, wow. You know, beyond uh, disgusting and and basketball hoop. Right. <laughs> right. 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 I really didn't know those those terms. Right. And 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 it was the first time that I realized just how uh, clued out I was. Yeah. With regards to my own business. That nece- you know that didn't necessarily change things on a dime. No, but it but but it, it was it, a it was one of those moments. It set me down a road, and yeah. then uh, then a few years later, I signed a deal with uh, Atlantic Records, mm-hmm. and I go over to Holland to open some shows for a guy called Paul Carrick. Oh yeah, who you might have heard sure. of. Yeah, yeah, Love yeah. Paul Carrick. You know, it, for those that don't know, Paul was in. Ace, he was in Squeeze, Squeeze and for a little bit. Mike and the Mechanics. Yeah. Right. And I was opening for him in, in Amsterdam in front of a thousand people in a venue that I had already sold out myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was opening for him in Rotterdam in a club that held like 600 people. And after the Rotterdam show, we shared a van ride back to the hotel. And I told him, Paul, I just signed this big record deal at Atlantic. You got any advice for me? And he said, "Mark, you know, I've I've had some of the biggest record deals in the history of the music business. I've played in front of tens of thousands of people. Nowadays, I uh, run my own record label. My management company is my management company. I own it. Mm-hmm. They, all my managers work in my building. <laughs> I own my booking agency. All of my agents work in my building." I'm working harder than I've ever worked. I'm making more money than I've ever made, and I'm happier than I've ever been. Yeah. Wow. 
And it was just so crystallizing in that in that yeah. few sentences. He wrapped up so much for me. He showed me how wrong I had had success and fame so intrinsically linked together and, and it it was so wrong. Yeah. That right. fame and success and happiness didn't necessarily always correlate. Yeah. yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. That's so yeah. Gr- now what year was this? <laughs> that had to have been somewhere around two thousand and nine, I wanna say. <laughs> Maybe so, two thousand and eight. Right, so you've got, so you got married in 2008, correct? Like Jan- uh, January, isn't that right? We made 11 years this year. Okay, okay, all right, great. Wow, all right, so yeah. Right on. So that's 2007, right? So right that's around the same. 2007. So right around the same time that you signed with Atlantic, right? Correct. Yeah. So We signed in November of 2007 with Atlantic. Right. And so I just, I have to ask this again, you know, we mentioned earlier on that Adam and I have children too, you know. We, we, we commiserate with you. We got seven between us, so. <laughs> um, wow. Or celebrate with you either way. Yeah, right, right. Um, so well, Adam's, got, well. Adam's got four and I've got three. Um, and I, so what I'm curious about is, you know, we talk to, to artists all the time about how that affects the decisions you make in your career. And we counsel very often that it's, it's a wiser idea to wait until you've got some kind of success before you decide to go down that road. Uh, and so I'm, I'm looking at your timeline and I'm, and I'm wondering, did the, did the deal with Atlantic sort of go make you take an exhale and go, yeah, I can do this. Or well, was it just no, happenstance? I mean, Cause we didn't get married until we were pregnant for number three. Oh, we already okay. Had so you already had kids, man. Point. All yeah, right. We already had two boys by that point. All right. I married my high school sweetheart. Oh, good for you, We've brother. We've been together almost 18 years. Wow. Good for you, man. Oh, man, that your I story's that story. even better now, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, it doesn't that's beautiful. It is beautiful. You know, it was very very difficult for us early on, and I think the the counseling that suggests waiting a while is probably good on a number of fronts. I think falling in love over and over and breaking hearts and having your heart broken <laughs> could be part of an artistic process. I don't know how ethical that, that's really. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. No, you're totally right. You're totally right. <laughs> Look, man, I never want to discourage someone from doing what's authentic for them. Right? Right. But, obviously. But so, you also, if you're, if, you're, if you're talking to young artists about things like, you know, trying to counsel them on having a harder work ethic, understanding the kind of, uh, you know, when you're dealing with, when you're talking about fans, that you're remembering that it's about them and not about you, right? And then when you're talking about interpersonal relationships, kind of remind them, look, it's kind of tough to do that when you're going to be on the road, you know, 70% it's of the so time. It's so hard, man. It's right? so hard. You really want to be able to focus 100% of your energy on on especially in those early days yeah. on engaging right. because every you know you you're going to wade through 20 30 100 you were amazing i love you right. you're awesome <laughs> you're the best you're going to wade through all of that and then you're going to get to somebody that says 
you saved my life. Right. Yeah. And <sighs> that's the fuel that you need. <sighs> yeah, that's man. the juice you're looking for. Yeah, man. You, and you can't get that uh, if you're preoccupied. Yeah. Now, now, granted, I will say this. Having a very stable relationship with my wife yeah. has allowed me uh, to 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 focus on that, that engagement in yeah. strictly business terms. Right, right. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like, no not who am I going to go home with tonight? That's exactly right. 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 Yeah. So, uh, you know, depending on, I've seen artists, <laughs> I have seen artists who will wade through the entire room at merch after the show right, right. just to find that, that one. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's rare. Usually yeah. what what happen is there's a, some kind of a social hang vibe. Right. And, you know, it's not really engaging with everybody. No. You know, whenever whenever an artist is looking to go home with somebody, they're they're trying to beeline for that. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> right. For yeah. that candidate, right? Right. right. So right. there's advantages there's there's advantages to the other as well. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and it depends on, on who you are. I think it, it, it's a, a fortunate set of circumstances that from what from what we know of you, your vibe hanging out after the show isn't gonna be sketchy. You know, surfing <laughs> the crowd going, hey, man. But, it, but it, it, it may have very well been in the past. There's sure. drunken nights right. in right. my early days. <laughs> right. that, sure, man. Uh, you know. Right, right. Well, rock and roll back in the day. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. By the seat of my pants. <laughs> right. I thought the, the gravy train was never going to end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love your perspective on it, though, and, and that, that you've got a real positive outlook on it. Like through the darkness, through the crap that, that the industry puts you through. Like. Well, there's some really positive developments, though. First and foremost, what I've discovered is tremendous weaknesses within um, institutional protocols. I'll wow! Say, yeah, that uh, that can absolutely be exploited. Yeah. So. Because mechanicals uh, have have been, you know, sought after and owned by by the major players mm-hmm. for forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's reasonable to see how mechanicals have become such a powerful tool in in the world right. as, as regards publishing. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we. We can benefit from from the position that publishing has has acquired in our industry. Yeah, by being the owner of my publishing, by mm-hmm. being the the administrator of of you know, and and claiming as much ownership of of what I have as possible. Sure. In other words, doing as as much writing on my own as possible, mm-hmm. or limiting co writers to as few people as possible. Yeah. Um, I can, I can actually put myself in a really powerful position, a much more powerful position. And then, you know, again, if we start to collaborate as a class, let's say, mm-hmm. cause there's a whole lot of artists in this industry that are being passed over oh, yeah. by, by traditional publishers mm-hmm, or sure. record labels. And, uh, there's tremendous incentive for, 
for us to pool resources together. Mm-hmm. Because at some point, you can use that catalog to your to your advantage. You can leverage that catalog because of market share. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole other story as well. But the bottom line is there are weaknesses that, to be exploited in this industry, one being publishing, because the record labels have used their lobbying might and, and all their yeah. might to, to, to gain as much power over their, their particular portion of, of, the, of the rights pie. Right. Right. And then, uh, two, the major players really don't know how to spend money very well. <laughs> and everybody knows it, right. which so is why everybody jacks up their prices. Right. So if you can make records for as close to $0 as possible mm-hmm. and be prolific, right. because, again, we're talking about a, a, a market, and, mm-hmm. and a, it's a market that sells widgets, Right. <laughs> we call them songs, right, but they're exactly. widgets. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, it's it's always fascinated me that that nobody blinks, you know, bats an eye at, at every song being a ninety nine cents or a buck twenty nine. But nobody would, uh, you know, everybody would freak out if you walked into the the grocery store and saw, you know, a thousand different varieties of soup. <laughs> of all different sizes that all cost 99 cents. Right, 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 yeah, right. That would freak people out. Right. <laughs> but the truth is, is that Beyonce's records cost substantially more money than my records do. Right, right. But we sell our products for the same amount. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's, uh, what, what, what that's doing is distorting the market. It's, it's, it has effectively distorted the market so dramatically that recorded music is now virtually worthless. Yeah. And, I, and if I'm not, as a producer, if I'm not responding in kind by reducing my production costs as dramatically as possible, right. then I'm, I'm not being smart about my business. So the goal, from, from my sake is to reduce production costs as dramatically as possible, as well as proliferate. Because I can't stem the supply. (laughs) I can't choke the supply of the broader market. Right. I can only choke my own, which is going to do nothing to increase the broader value of music. Right. But hopefully I can outproduce outproduce the market Mm -hmm. and... uh, drive out speculative investment ultimately that's the end game is to drive out these speculative dollars that come in from multinational corporations that really do distort the market we need to get back to a real serious artistic endeavor here too much commerce not enough art what i love about you because that's a great that's a great way to put it too much commerce and not enough art yeah and what's brilliant about the way you're talking about it is you are helping yourself achieve that goal by understanding all of the moving parts of the commerce, right? So you're well, not. Hopefully, that's the goal. <laughs> I love that, and that's that's just such. I mean, because we have heard a number of people not necessarily uh, looking for the positives in in the new music economy, right? That that. Yes, you better be a touring musician if you want to have a real living at this. And no, you don't need a major label. And yes, you still have to be better than everybody else. You still have to be awesome. Because here's the thing, Mark. If you weren't awesome, these would all be great ideas. But you could be prolific with 
without being awesome, and right. no one's going to care. So we're going to start. We're going to start with going. Cream's okay. always going to rise to the top. Right. I mean, that's that's just how it is. That having a voice like yours, if I'm walking through the mall and I hear somebody down a hallway singing like you, I'm going to stop and go figure out who the hell it is. Yeah. Right. That's the hope. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth, man. But, that's but, the hope. But what's great is so cool. Now I know who you are. You still can't pay your bills because I said you had an awesome voice and you're talking about a real actionable process right by which somebody who is talented who is willing to work can have a real sustainable career I, I, well it's, and it's not just sustainable but real successful I and, mean obviously from what fulfilling. you said earlier that there's a way there is a way to do this where you can really make bank if you're doing oh, it maybe, for yourself look, I, I'm a middle class musician all the way okay yeah my company grossed a million dollars last year. Perfect. Beautiful. My guys my guys are among some of the, the best paid touring musicians in the industry. Right on, brother. Right but on. But it's only because we're able to, because we tour the way we tour. Yeah. It's only because we do not carry production. We do not carry front of house or yep. stage hands. Mm-hmm. Any, we, we, we don't carry any ancillary crew at all. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah, we're lean and mean. We instead of renting the gear from the local gear rental, we pay the opening band an extra few hundred bucks. Oh, perfect, beautiful. And they bring all the gear to the next city, anyways. Right. And set it up, tear it down, and load it in the trailer and deliver it to the next show. Wow, smart. They're making more money because 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 we're paying them more, and they're going to bring it so anyway. Happier, right? right? So they're yeah, happier. They're so bring it anyway. Exactly. Man, I love right. I, I so, love that. So I'm guessing there's there's no guitar tech. There's nobody moving the bass amp, the bass rig. There's nobody moving the drummer stuff. It's you. It's you guys. I set up my own gear. My guitar player tears it down at at the after after the show. Right. So that you can get out and and do the do the thing that That's you need exactly to do as right. the front man. Absolutely. As should be. Perfect. And we're, because of that, I was able to to uh, you know to really make the most out of that year. These last four years have been a steady, steady increase. I've been able to reinvest in, back into my business. Now we're generating revenue on YouTube, which I get to reinvest. So it's it, all, we're firing on all cylinders, but it, it really does require having a fully fleshed long-term vision yeah. with, that's broken into short-term, much more realistic goals. That uh, give me some, some, you know, some points to aim for. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, this makes me a- want to ask this question: um, being being the guy who's running the ship and and doing more of a DIY, if not at least, if not all doing it yourself, at least directing it yourself. What do you, what for you are the the crucial members of the team that you? that really help you make this, this vision come. I, you mentioned Doug, so having a, a great manager. My manager is my right-hand man. We probably talk, on average, three or four times a week. Wow. Uh, and I think that, that, that communication with your manager is always the most important aspect. Yeah. Every management relationship that has failed of mine has, has failed because of a lack of communication, of c- clear communication, and lack of of uh, of understanding, you know, proper roles. Sometimes managers get a little too involved in the creative process. I think, <laughs> yeah. especially 
managers with no creative skills whatsoever. There's <laughs> <laughs> probably a correlation the there, right? <laughs> well, that's the case, you know, across most of the, the, the business side of sure. the industry. There's a right. lot Always. of folks that, that want to throw their sense in. Yeah, well, they want it to but be doing what you're doing, so. My manager, Doug Shaw, uh, is just, he's such an integral part of everything that I do. The guy works for me day in and day out. My drummer, Chad Gilmore, is my tour manager as well, and he's the best tour manager I've ever had. Fantastic. And, and this is, you know, you're talking to a guy, my brother was my tour manager at one point. Wow. And you can't really get much closer than that, right? <laughs> well, I'm sitting here this talking guy, to you with my brother next yeah, to yeah. me, so yeah, yeah we're, uh, absolutely. We're, 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 and, <laughs> and look, my brother is currently tour, uh, he's, he's production manager for Leon Bridges right now. Oh, wow. So he's not a slouch. This no, guy right? Tour yeah, managed, yeah. He, he tour managed Sarah Bareilles, Christina Perry. Wow. Uh, I mean, he's he's done some really big shows. Uh, so, anyways, he, he my brother is a fantastic tour manager, and my drummer is a better tour manager than him. Wow. Or at least for my purpose. For you, that, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and then there's a, a whole production team that that helps me pull off the the online content that we put together mm -hmm. uh justin tockett is is an, an engineer and producer that i've worked with for most of my career okay. um it's justin moved to south louisiana about four or five years ago from nashville he was one of the first people i ever met when i went to nashville 15 years ago mm -hmm. uh, that first manager of mine ross dupre from here yeah had a, a first cousin that lived in Nashville at the time who was married to this guy, Justin Tockett. Gotcha. Wow. And and so Justin and I hit it off right away, started recording stuff. He used to manage Woodland Studio in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And uh, about five years ago, his wife said she wanted to move back home and be closer to her mom and dad. So he moved here about five years ago and took over the nicest studio in the area, which is about 30 minutes from from my house. Oh, nice. So it's really like having my own, my very own Quincy Jones in the backyard. <laughs> See, you are Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's, he's just been a godsend uh, to be able to, to work with a guy who I had previously worked with. Again, I mean, he produced um, my second record when I got dropped for, from Island Def Jam. Mm -hmm. uh, he produced S.O.S., Yep. Okay. Save yeah. Our soul. Phenomenal then he produced record. "Keep Coming Back." Okay. Uh, my first Atlantic record, and then he produced uh, he he produced SOS two, and he co-produced the last record, uh, um, "Easy to Love." Easy to love. So wow. yeah, I mean, he and I have have had a a, a long and storied career together, and uh, and having him in the backyard is again like just a dream come true. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. I also have uh, a, a, a brand new partner, but a guy that I think is just a rock star and who's gonna who's gonna do incredible things. A guy called David Jones out of Baton Rouge. He's an artist I met on the street about two years ago outside of the Ace Hotel in New Orleans, and uh, I recognized him from social media. Mm -hmm. He recognized me. We we kind of have stayed friendly. I just recently hired him. Uh, as head of web dev and uh, and head of marketing for 
a new company of mine uh, called the Artist Tribune. Fantastic, <laughs> beautiful. And he, this kid is is a brilliant singer, a brilliant songwriter. He just picked up the instrument five years ago. Wow. <laughs> He's only been singing for five years. He was a, a track athlete on scholarship at LSU, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, has has just got. He's he's one of these outlier artists. Yeah. He's not he's not one of the lazies like me. <laughs> he actually applied himself and acquired technical skills in uh, in web development and marketing. Wow. Uh, and and film that I, I I mean I've just I haven't I don't think I've ever come across a more gifted, naturally gifted and technically gifted person in my life. That's, oh, that's phenomenal. Great. So this new so yeah, we're slowly acquiring a bigger and bigger squad now. Which phenomenal. And then your booking agent is are you uh, still with Paradigm? I've, is that I've been with with Lynn Singari uh, for my entire career. She was uh, out of she's out of Chip Hooper's former office. Uh, Chip passed away recently, but uh, she was with Monterey Peninsula, and then they got purchased by Paradigm. So okay. I've been with Paradigm since that merger. Yeah. Which again, hugely important part of the team. I would we would imagine. You know, Lynn is uh, is another one of those champions for me. Who, any time and every time it, it gets down to the wire, whenever I need her to come through, there have been some rough years, man. I'm not gonna lie because my I was so far off the ball there, uh, yeah. and I was on such an unsustainable trajectory. Right. There were some really, really tough times, and Lynn was able to come through in the clutch every time. Wow. I've never, never had an issue with Lynn having my back or being receptive. And it's it's really, I mean, that's one of the most difficult people to land in this industry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. No question I about would, it. I would actually struggle right now to land another real serious champion of a of an agent if I let Lynn go. And even though you've got this sustainable career and a real, no, you're not good, of course. But 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 it's amazing that you're, yeah. you're absolutely. It's a, it's a phenomenal. That's it. I, I love that you would say that out loud because uh, we, you know, we have friends who are who are booking agents, and that that's you know. And that is often one of the most forgotten parts of the industry, but the can be the most difficult to to acquire and and the most important to propel a career. Well, think about this: before the invention of recording, people like myself for millennia were able to at least stand on the edge of a campfire right. and hum a nice melody and, <laughs> yeah. and, and get tossed a leg off right. the hand, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Performing exactly. has always been the lifeblood of yeah. musicianship right. and will always be the lifeblood of musicianship. Yeah. I, quite frankly, have no idea why. I don't really fully understand it. The philosophy of of or the the phenomenon of why human beings are are compelled to join together to watch somebody <laughs> yeah. perform. <laughs> it's a weird thing, I man. When you think of it, yeah, like just the, just when you strip all of the parts away <laughs> <laughs> and look at it totally scientifically, it's a fairly <laughs> odd thing. <laughs> Entertain me with your melody. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. I think it it taps into uh, maybe it taps into some some uh, you know compass point. Yeah. Of of possibility for humanity. I when, love it. When you see people, I know that I get moved when I see people dance and sing or yeah. or right. dance really well together. Couples dancing. Right. Yeah. I like I it's so weird to me, but I still get like super choked up yeah. at yeah. you know, the sound of music or, oh, sure. yeah, right. or yeah. even at like the greatest showman. Oh that was a fantastic Dude, film. Right. And and it, there's something tremendously moving. Yeah. When we watch human beings perform so magnificently and perfectly, or seemingly perfectly, I think it points us to to what's what 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 we're capable of—the possibilities of a human being. That's maybe maybe that's something I don't know, but uh, the the truth is, the bottom line is, is that performing will always be the most important function of a musician's. Uh, toolkit and so if you can do it live yeah. if you can do it live right. speaking to all of those p- performers out there if you can yeah. really do it live then you owe it to yourself to go acquire the technical skills so that you can achieve the kinds of things that you need to achieve on the production side so that it's undeniable as soon as you show up it's just an undeniable package you you can't you can't pass up on the deal. <laughs> yeah, man. That, I again, I got nothing to say, but amen. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So I, I actually have two questions for you, um, and they're I'm going to give them to you up front and let you answer whichever one you want first. Uh, one is I did not know about this new artist endeavor that you have here. Do you call it the Artist Web? It's called the Artist Tribune. Artist Tribune. Yeah. And essentially, it's so it's. I like to describe it as, as uh, you know, Atlantic Records buys Ro- Rolling Stone magazine at some point and fires most of the editorial staff, <laughs> keeps a few editors on board, and then starts mining its own roster at the label for stories to fill the editorial pages. Okay. I love and, that. And essentially, what it boils down to is, uh, I believe that collaboration between artists uh, is probably the most powerful force uh, available to us. Yeah, yeah. The the forces at play when you're when you're when you're working together as a group uh, or as a you know as a as a a couple of creatives or whatever it's going to yeah. be. Uh, you're bringing fan bases together, and you're 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 just cross pollinating all of that right stuff. On. Yeah. What yeah. happens? So what happens when I spend one dollar on on promoting a piece of content that features me and me alone? Mm-hmm. That dollar goes X far, right? It goes mm-hmm. to distance X. It gets me to that many, you know, exposures. Right. Uh, if I call a friend of mine and then throw them on camera and we sing a duet together yeah. and spend that same exact dollar, I've just I just made that dollar work twice as hard. Right. Made yeah. it go work for my buddy too. Right, right, right. And then if I can then brand the system of delivery, the mechanism of delivering that content, if I can somehow attach some kind of an identity to it, 
and and then I can make that dollar go go even further there. So that's the goal is to both foster actual collaboration and then present new forms of collaboration or at least uh, some sense of collaboration. In other words, have a platform where artists can come and editorialize and as a group point all of our followers through our, our various social media pages back to this one hub so that we can all participate on the uh the the you know the the growth and the exposure that comes out of participating here as well as present our fans with at least the uh sense of collaboration yeah i love it man. if they see yeah. if they see you know that their favorite artists are all you know getting bylines at the same website <laughs> right right yeah they think, what the heck is, are they all like meeting up? At, are they working at this place together? What's going on? You know? That's awesome. It's, it's just to try to generate the idea that we're, we're actually doing something uh, movement specific. Collaborative. Yeah. And yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's great. Thank you for that explanation. That's, uh, yeah, that's wonderful. And it actually leads, it leads perfectly to my next question. My next question is about all of your philanthropic work that you do. Well, that's a, a really good question because we got some big, big plans this year for it. Oh, fantastic! Um, so, you know, just a little background: the SOS Foundation is a foundation that I started about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another one of those rele- revelatory kind of events yeah. uh, because what it really boils down to, honestly, is. I had a kind of revelation about three and a half years ago uh, as regards the story about, of Robert Johnson selling his soul at the crossroads. Okay. I had two, revel- two you know, uh, sort of revelations about that entire notion uh, that I, I realized that I believed in the theory behind that story mm-hmm. that I actually placed stock in the notion that I could summon the forces of darkness <laughs> to my side in a bind right? Yeah. And, 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 and that I would be able to make some sort of a compromise, uh, to get myself out of a bind. Okay. I, I realized a, that I believed in the power of that story. Yeah. And then B that I believed in the inverse. And yeah. had never thought about it in such a way. I had never actually thought similarly about the forces of good in this universe. And upon that realization, I immediately summoned the forces of good in this universe. To my <laughs> okay. Yeah, man. Uh, and and said, look, if 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 I'm really supposed to be here for something good, if I'm supposed to use these gifts for something good. I need some guidance. I need some some real guidance here. So all the forces of good in this universe, please come to my aid and give me some guidance. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. And literally within days, I had whisperings in my ear. Not not exactly, but, you know, uh, metaphysical pullings of the heartstrings that that led me to create this foundation. (laughs) And the goal of the foundation is to put out records every few years. Uh, to raise money for charity, we can do these covers records. Yeah, 
it serves multifunctions. First of all, again, it's a philanthropic endeavor, but it also allows me a little more time between my own sure. original records sure. to yeah. write and really, really get mm-hmm. you know, hone in on some great material. Yeah. But in the meantime, we put out these SOS projects and uh, and raise money for various causes. We pick a single cause for each project. The last record uh, came out in September two years ago, and that was a uh, soul covers record. Yep. I think we we kind of used uh, Solomon Burke's "Cry to Me" as a that was phenomenal version as of our that. anchor. Yeah. It's a phenomenal version of that. Oh man! And the YouTube it's one where it's just you song. and one other cat is phenomenal. That's my dad. Too. That's, that's your that's dad. My dad. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh man, it's good. No wonder. That was, it's so that was good. one of those ones. You ever watch something and, and and as you're listening, you make noises because you're so into it. <laughs> Where someone will sing something, you go, "Oh!" We were, yeah, we were we were doing that in the studio yeah, listening we were, to that. It's crazy, oh, it's man. Phenomenal. You know that song is just so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so you good. and you sing it so well, man. Yeah, you yeah. Just crush it. It's phenomenal. You know, I feel very, very fortunate to uh, to exist in a time where songs like that exist, and I and and it's not you know yeah. it's not against the law for me to sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, man. yeah, man. Yes. So then, so, go. So yeah. we 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 put out that record and we raised money for homeless women and children in the Atlanta area, and 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 that it's actually a program that's that's been exported to municipalities across the country. But we focused yeah. our dollars at this one particular facility in Atlanta that boasts ninety five percent success rates with getting women wow. their children permanently off the street. Wow! It's one of the most comprehensive and incredible homelessness programs I've ever come across and, and I really am, am invested with them for the long haul. In that's fact, fantastic. That's the beauty of this project is that every SO, the SOS record continues to sell every month to this day. Right. Yeah. We're probably sending between 500 and $1,000 to them every month for the that's last two years. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's incredible. That's beautiful, man. Love that. I love uh, that story. So this year, SOS 3 is on the way. And it is a lullabies album oh. that's coming with a children's book that I wrote. Oh, uh, nice. Yes. Myself and my daughter as, as river otters. We're animated, uh, illustrated as river otters. Oh, my God. I love that. There's a, a plush stuffed animal that's coming along with it as well. It's me as a river otter and some overalls and a little hat. Oh, man. And, uh, I love this. And... Uh, it's, so is this the gonna, daughter? Is it? It's going to be. Is yeah, it Evangelina? Done. Is it Evangelina Rose or is it Ella Grace? It's Ella Grace. Okay. Yeah, and uh, it, the the funds, the proceeds are going to raise money for a St. Jude affiliate hospital that's being <sighs> un, uh, is being built in Baton Rouge right now. Beautiful, fantastic. I just love that. So it's and on, very exciting stuff. Yeah. And on top of the SOS Foundation that you started, you're. I mean, you're do. You're. It seems like you're constantly doing. For others as well, Amy Birnbaum from uh, from, Round, from Hill. Round Hill told us about uh, you uh, getting. Um, there was a high school choral program that was just going to shut down. That and, was losing its funding. You know, Amy wants to point the finger at me for that, but all I did was text her. I just texted Amy, and she reached out to her partners at Alfred Music. Right, they were able to pull the trigger. I I literally did. That's that's what I was another aspect of this whole thing I was going to get back to is the SOS Foundation when I started 
getting the, the, the metaphysical pull on my heartstrings to do this, mm-hmm. I started to research launching a nonprofit. And yeah. all of the research said, expect to be told no over and over and over and over again. And then the next step is to put together a board of directors. Mm-hmm. So yep. I did. I made a, a phone call to an acquaintance, a very, very successful businessman. Um, and I gave him an elevator pitch. And he said, you know, Mark, I've been on a lot of these kind of various, you know, nonprofit boards, and I like you. And I think I think you're a a good man and a and a fantastic artist. And I'm in. Wow. And I I was like, what? You're like what? Everybody said you're <laughs> <Huh>? gonna say no. <laughs> so then then I called a, a dear friend who got me my first. You know, she she started a record label for me to release my first independent record. Brought me walked me into the door for for my my first management company. Uh, really got me started in the music business. I called her up. She said, of course, no problem. Then I cold called a city council member in Lafayette, a guy I've never met. I don't even know if he knows who I am. And I give him the same elevator pitch, and he tells me, you know, this sounds fantastic. I'm I'm in. (laughs) I I couldn't believe my... I, I just couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. What it told me, though, was that Artists like myself are uniquely positioned to do these kinds yeah. of things yeah. yep. for a whole host of factors. Yeah. You know, there's there may be some philanthropic motivations for those folks to get involved, but they know me as an artist, and they 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 honestly just want to. People want to be attached to to yeah. fame. Yes. Okay. That's yes. the bottom line. <laughs> right. No, that, absolutely. Not, none of these people are are you know what I would call uh, star. Efforts, right? right? Yes. They're they're not trying to glom on to fame, but they're also not going to eschew a relationship yeah. with fame, <laughs> right? Or they're right. not going to eschew a relationship with some kind of a a worthwhile endeavor that includes celebrity, yeah. Right? yeah. As mild as my celebrity is, mm-hmm. um, but I also have communicated very honestly and authentically uh, with my fans for a very very long time through my music and through Mm -hmm. my personhood. And when I tell them I've vetted an organization and I've found them to be doing incredible work, they believe me. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, it's not hard for them to to believe me. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to move huge groups of people without a whole lot of effort. And that's why I say, you know, Amy, she can point the finger at me all day, but all I did was text her. She did the heavy lifting. She and Alfred Music did the heavy lifting. Well, so you, so you got a bunch of great people around you, man, and yeah. and 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 it's it's enabling you to create great music and do great work and and spread the joy, spread the joy, and be happy. And well, that's another you know another important aspect. I have burnt very few bridges. Uh, I won't say I burnt none, but I, I, I think being kind, there's so, that's another weakness to be exploited, by the way. Uh, mm. Timeliness and kindliness, and kindness, I should say. Uh, you know, responding to people in, in a timely fashion and being kind to people. 
uh, can really open so many doors. My manager has has gotten us more gigs because somebody will email three or four bands to fill a particular date, and my manager is calling back before the others have time to email back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We are very, very simple when we show up to a club. If the ticket sales are down, my tour manager, my drummer knows that he knows exactly where to trim the hospitality budget. Uh, we can work with venues, you know, really, really swiftly and nimbly because we're so timely with our responses. Yeah. And that, you know, what that shows a venue and a promoter is that we care about their, right. their the roof over their heads. Too. Right. You know, that means that they want to work with us again. So guess what? N- n- now, when I buy some, you know, some uh, email advertising on Google ads yeah. and we target promoters, mm-hmm. email addresses. And and my banners come on a, across their search fields mm-hmm. every time they are looking to fill their calendar. Right. They don't get pissed off right. because they They're know like, that right. I'm advertising to them. Right. They're like, right. oh, they, right, Mark. Yeah, man, I got to get Mark back in here. Yeah. yeah. They're not freaked out right. that, that I'm advertising to them. They're not right. bummed out that I'm spending money and, and, and staying on their feeds. Right. They're okay with it because we're real easy to work with. Yeah. Well, I love that. I, it's, you know, again, it goes along with something that Adam and I preach all the time. And that's that, you know, it isn't enough to be talented. It isn't enough to be uh, gifted in this, especially in this day and age in the industry. You, you can't be a dick. <laughs> you know? There's so many dicks in, yeah. This, <laughs> right. in this business, man. Yeah, but they don't stay, man. They don't stick around anymore. There's, there's not enough, there's not enough album sales. There's not enough. Our theory is you know, that the industry true. is changing enough that they will have to leave. Yeah. That it's really hard. Well, if to... I have anything to do with it, <laughs> if I got anything to do with it, they're out. Yes. Oh, man. We love that. Love it. Love it, man. That yeah. is beautiful. I think that's a, that's a perfect place, that's a perfect to, uh, place for us to, to, to say to wrap. You can uh, enjoy the rest of your day <laughs> and get ready for the road tomorrow. And, uh, well, I can't thank you guys enough for letting me, ha- you know, have this time with you. Man, we've I had the best time hanging with you. It. Oh man, we we had so much fun, and uh, and thank you, son, will you for 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 giving you the phone. That was beautiful. Yeah, I loved it. It's a beautiful. <laughs> I'll do that. Loved it, brother. <laughs> he was great. You're you're doing well. You're doing well. And man, we'll uh, let's break some bread at some point together. Yeah, I would that love that, is man. Beautiful, man. We are going to make that happen. We will. All right, fellas, y'all take care. All, All right, brother, you, you too. Mark. Okay, well, that was phenomenal. That was unbelievable. That that was phenomenal. He's an amazing, just an amazing, He's an amazing human man. Is what right? I was going to say. Absolutely, what an amazing human. Yeah. This is where you know what everybody, whatever you're doing, <laughs> make sure that you get a chance to do things in your day once in a while. Yeah. That feel as good as what we just got to do. <laughs> I was having so much fun. Absolutely. I, can, I can't even. I, I can't even. I, I can't even explain to you. He's speechless over there. I'm, you you guys that, can't see it, but Adam is never speechless. I'm never speechless. I never no. shut up. I always have things to say, He's, and that was just ridiculous amounts of fun. So it's uh, kind of amazing that that somebody who is that talented is yeah. also that good a human being. Yeah, That's, right. I mean, just pretty amazing. And you can't. You know what? You can't always increase the amount of talent you have. No, but you can always be a better human being. Well, and again, I think that that's something that that Mark would tell you that. You know, not just work hard, but look for that joy. 
and that the joy comes from like his his allegory um, of Robert Johnson. Yeah, you know that there is a flip side, <laughs> right? To selling out and selling your soul, right? You know whether it's in re- reality or metaphorically, right. man. There, the flip side is just as strong and just as powerful. And when you ask for that help, when you're going to the joy, it will appear. You know? And so remember, you got this. We got your back. 